every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real sound, but you can't take the real sound out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit of teeth because I got thick skin. After the snap, episode four, what is going on, y'all? Blake Ferguson here, long snapper for the Miami Dolphins, here with my brother Reed, long snapper for the Buffalo Bills. What's up, dude? What's up? Back in action. I, uh, I, this was a big week. This was a big week. We we found out where we will be playing this year and when we will be playing those games. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was big, big. Big night on Wednesday. Um, I was I was kind of following following it a little bit throughout the day on Twitter a little bit. I think there were a couple leaks that came out. You and I were going back and forth a little bit. There there were definitely once the schedules finalized and came out that night, uh, there were definitely a couple of surprises because some of the leaks you know turned out to be wrong or or just a couple weeks off. But some pretty exciting games coming up. Dolphins are playing a game in London. Which Huge. I could not be more fired up about. You're playing Jacksonville there, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm jealous. I mean, we obviously play at Jacksonville, so I think we were also in the running. Uh, I, I've I've been hearing that we were in the running for a London game for a couple of years now, and I, I think it. Uh, you know, it came down to a couple teams every year, and I think we just didn't make the cut. But I don't know. I don't think there's any. Well, to me, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason uh, uh, for who, for what game. Because Jacksonville's given up a home game. Is that correct? Correct. To play yes. over there. Yeah. Yes. So I think obviously Jack. It has to be you know every year or almost every year Jacksonville's playing playing one game over there. Um, so it kind of depends on who's on their schedule. But I don't know. I, I know they they you know they try to do one or two other games. Try to have two or three total every year. I don't. I don't really know the. The reasoning behind the decisions. Buffalo Bills four primetime games this year with a possibility of a fifth one. Yeah, we you also we had, had an early bye week, and you got a you got a pretty good schedule going. Yeah, we're um, you know early bye. You know, it's it's something that I that a lot of guys will probably not be happy with just because it makes the back end of the schedule a little long. But personally, I'm a little indifferent to it. Four primetime games is awesome. I think. They're right now. They're grouped in twos. I think uh, KC and Tennessee are back to back, and then we have uh, another one later in the season. I don't know off the top of my head, but we I think we go to go uh, home, New England, uh, and and Tampa maybe back to back. I'm not sure what the other primetime game is on is on, connected to the New England home uh, home game, but uh, and then we I think we're we're in the running New for New Orleans. New Orleans on Thanksgiving. That's night. right. That's right. How could I forget? That's a big uh, game. Yeah, that is a big game. I have a lot of lot of family there for that game. It should be should be pretty exciting. But yeah, th- there's also a possible possible fifth. I think we had five last year too. But that fifth one is, I guess you can call it a primetime game because it's the. I think we're in the running for the Saturday game the week we play Carolina. Should be, you know, I think we've played Saturday game the past couple years. You know, I, I kind of like the Saturday games. Yeah, so we have at Las Vegas week three, 
which will be fun. And then we host the Colts, who I've never played against. So I'm looking forward to both of those games. Yeah, that'll be uh, – are you in Indianapolis? No, we, we host the Colts, and then we're at Tampa, and then we're in London. So gotcha. that'll be a stretch of uh, four games that'll be really cool. I've never played the Colts, never played Tampa. I, I played Jacksonville <clears throat> last year on Thursday night, but this year it'll be – a yeah, nine thirty a.m. nine thirty a.m. game, and it'll be obviously six hours difference, whatever that is, uh, over here. Yeah, we uh, y'all have a late buy too. Is that right? Late, pretty, week pretty 14. late. Week fourteen. Yeah, yeah. so week so fourteen. So thirteen games by week, and then four after. From a player perspective, I think most guys uh, would rather have the late buy. Uh, just because it it gives you a chance to kind of refuel, I think b- before that last you know quarter of the season, uh, roughly. But by, a bye week's a bye week. You get it. You get it where you can. Ours was relatively early last year, so I think we ended up having ten straight after our bye week last year, and it it really did take a take a toll on the body. <clears throat> having it week four week fourteen this year will be, I think, a little bit better. So. That'll be that'll be good. I'm looking forward to this this season. So uh, moving on a little bit, uh, let's kind of get into this season and kind of what's been going on. I know you know I've been up here in Buffalo uh, all off season just because we decided to stay up here. Um, you know for for Blakely and with her being born, we just figured it would be best to stay in town for the off season. I know you have been bouncing between you know Atlanta, Miami. You know what. Kind of fill me in on what what you've been doing the past couple months and with training and stuff like that. Yeah, there have been a lot of people, specifically our listeners, who have been curious of just like what an off season looks like in the NFL. So we wanted to take the majority of this episode to share that with you and and what that looks like. Obviously, every player is different. Every player is from somewhere totally different and has a has a different situation and in the place they're at in life. So everybody's off season per se is going to look different. Mine was spent majority in Atlanta and I did a little bit of traveling, went up to Nashville some, came up to Buffalo twice to see you and Blakely and Erica. But the majority of my hard training took place in Atlanta. And then before we started back our off season program, I came back down to Miami for three-ish weeks to just let Jasper, my dog, get acclimated to being in South Florida and a new a new place she had never been. And also just getting the feel of being back in the building and being around some of the guys. So I have been back and forth a little bit, but for right now, I'm, I'm sticking in South Florida and enjoying the sunshine because it is beautiful. Yeah, and I know, you know, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. We've been going, you know, virtual rough, you know, virtual slash in-person for some guys, depending on where they're at, um, a little bit for, for roughly a month now, you know, four or five weeks. But we're about to transition into this phase two, which, uh, you know, covers, you know, start to do some on-field stuff, some walkthroughs, you know, OTA practices, and, and for the listeners – during uh, during phase two, or I guess uh, getting into phase three, phase three is kind of when OTAs 
the practices themselves start to happen. So we'll have 10 practices over the span of about three weeks. And then uh, the last week in June uh, to finish off phase three and to finish off the really the the whole off-season program before summer starts is a three-day uh, mini camp usually takes place in mid-June. So that's kind of what we, you know, kind of what we have been working towards um, over the past couple of months of our off-season. So uh, really, you know, looking forward to to kind of getting back with the guys, getting back in the building and 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 working with, uh, you know, working with our, all of our new teammates and, and most of the old ones. I know Buffalo, we brought back a ton of guys uh, from last season, which was great to see. So, but I mean, yeah, the, the, the main thing really, uh, well, not the main thing, but a top thing on my mind, uh, really going into these OTAs, uh, is getting to work with, uh, you know, a new punter and a new holder as the snapper. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one key cog in, in the three man system for scoring points. Uh, so, so, you know, having a good, a good solid relationship with, uh, the punter who, you know, the punter and holder, is going to be key. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to developing that relationship, building that relationship with Matt. I know you've spoken very highly of him, you know, having spent uh, all of last season with him, uh, with Matt down in Miami. Uh, but the, the few times that I've gotten together with him uh, and talked to him a bunch over the past, you know, month and a half since we've signed him, he seems like a really great guy, a very hard worker and just overall good dude. And, and you know, it seems like he'll be a great addition to the to our specialist room. So I'm ready, I'm ready to get started and work with him and Tyler on, on building that relationship. Yeah. I think you will, you know, enjoy Matt a lot. He was a big part of our success last year with Jason ending up as first team all pro. And he was a big reason why we got there was because of his holding abilities and stuff like that. So, and, um, and I also have a new punter slash holder, obviously with my punter, slash holder being in Buffalo now. Jasper wanted to say hello to everybody. So that's her uh, greeting to everyone. She will be our uh, new recurring guest at times when there are guests at the door. Michael Pilardi is our new punter slash holder. And he's been great. Great dude. We, I believe you and I met him like 10 years ago when he was first, when he was at Tennessee and you were being recruited by Tennessee. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he was. I think he's um, maybe one or two years ahead of me. School years, I guess that was a while back. But uh, yeah, he was at Tennessee when I was uh, getting recruited and going to their summer camps and stuff. I know you were also there, you know, tagging along. But yeah, when I when I was you know going on visits and stuff, uh, you know, I, we we met Michael a couple times. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a really solid dude, uh, stand-up guy. You know, I, I always enjoyed uh, when I got to see him. So, yeah, great dude. You'll you'll love Michael. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, and he brings a sort of more experienced perspective to our group, which I think is good because Jason and I are more of a young tandem duo and – I think he will bring just the fact that he's 28, 29 years old will bring, you know, a little bit more of a wisdom to our group, I guess I should say. He's losing a little bit of hair, kind of like you. I think uh, I think we're going to be I think we're going to have some fun this year at that position. Cutting ahead a little bit, but 
I saw there was a guy, there was, I can't recall who it was, but there was a, uh, one of our followers asked a question and I'm taking this out of the mailbag segment, but, uh, he asked if it was, I believe he asked, you know, if there was a difference between snapping to a left footed or a right footed punter. Um, and it caught, you know, it just caught my attention cause I've, I've snapped to both in, in my time here in Buffalo, but, uh, as, as odd as it is, uh, you know, we have both, you know, obviously Matt, went from you to me, but uh, my last punter, you know, Corey Bajorquez, he was a lefty, and now you're going, you know, I'm going from Bojo to to Matt, who was lefty to lefty, and now you're going from Matt to Michael, who's lefty to lefty. I think that's just pretty rare across the league. I mean, do you, you know, you, you snapped to uh, some righties in college. I did, you but have- Von, Rosenberg, Von Rosenberg was a lefty. So I've, I've literally gone from Von Rosenberg to – Matt Hawk to Pilardi, all three lefties, which is uncommon. Was, um, and then Groudon. Yeah, was, Groudon was Josh. He was a righty, was was he not? I think he was a righty. Yes. So I mean, do you do you think there's a difference snapping lefty versus righty? I think it's. I mean, to me, it's just really putting it. You know, I, I you know, based on whatever hash you're on, really the offset is kind of the only thing that changes, but. Um, there's not. I don't know if there's a ton of difference. Really, it's yeah. just learning the I preference of where they kind of like to catch the ball. I don't feel like that there's a significant difference in all lefties versus all righties. You know, liking snaps one way or another. Every punter likes to catch the ball in a you know in a specific place, and they like it to be. Uh, some punters like it, like the ball up higher because it helps them stay tall and they can see, you know, what kind of rush is coming. Some punters like it more lower because it helps them keep their footwork short and they can get up into the ball more. It's just kind of on a punter by punter basis. I wouldn't say it's as much lefty versus righty thing. Uh, but with any punter that comes in or any punter that you deal with, they're all going to want something different. So you just have to kind of be mindful of that and try to adjust as best as you can. And shout out to uh, at finfan for life 91 He was the guy, uh, Brandon Heron, who asked that question. So thank you, Brandon, for, uh, Thanks, for shooting us Finn a question on the ma- for the mailbag. We got to I it just a little earlier the, in the episode. I believe he's been on the mailbag before. He, I think uh, he was on our first mailbag because I, I remembered a, that username. He's a dedicated question asker. So Definitely. And we love it. Give that to him. Keep them coming. You want to jump into some short snaps? Let's do it. Short snaps. Stip, stop, stip, stop, stip, stop. All the news that's fit to kick. So on this week's short snaps, we have found for our office listeners, we hope all of you have, sorry, office watchers, I guess I should say, not listeners, office watchers, we found an article that ranks all 185 episodes of The Office from 1 to 185. In this article, the the author scored the episodes based on four separate categories. Number one is laughs. How funny is the episode? Number two is importance to the office universe, which I'm guessing is like importance to the storyline and how much, how related it is. Three is memorability and quotability, which to me is the most important thing because I am an office quote. If you see me on, there's a quote. A, in, everything. 
and any regularity, you will see and hear me quoting The Office. And then lastly was emotional weight, which I think was given too much. Personally, I think was given too much of a... That should be like ten um, percent, not twenty five percent. It it represented a big. There, I mean, there's there's some because, episodes like there's some episodes with Jim and Pam that obviously help move along the series and stuff like that. But I don't feel like there, I mean there there's I don't really know I don't I'm gonna come up with this totally arbitrary number off the top of my head. Eighty five percent of the episodes in the office. Eighty five percent of this these 185 episodes that were ranked don't really pull at the heartstrings, right? I mean, that's is that fair? Of the sh- that's not really the intention of the show. Right. But I mean, I, I get where the author is coming from. Like that certainly has to be weighted and, and taken into account, but I don't think a fourth of the score should be, uh, yeah. you know, should be emotional weight, but I think memorability and quotability arguably should be at least half because it that's be more because than, it should be more than emotional weight more no than doubt. right more than that. But how else do you do people memorize or remember episodes of The Office? There, you're you quote it, yeah. right? So well, let's get into some of the rankings, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Coming in last, the worst episode. In office history, according to the author, according to the author, is the Gettysburg trip. And personally, I think that he might be right. He or she might be right because that episode is cringy. I, it's so it's so cringy. Yeah, I, I have to disagree. Well, I don't know. It's pretty close. I'd say it's bottom ten. I think any of the Robert California episodes are in the bottom 10. Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah, not a fan. Deserve to be down. Not a fan. All right, so let's talk about the top five episodes. Coming in at number five was Garage Sale. Off of the top of my head, when I was reading this article, I didn't even remember what that episode was. Do you remember off the top of your head what that episode – did you, when you were reading this article, remember what that was? Yeah. I mean, how could I forget about Professor Copperfield's Miracle Legumes? I mean, Dwight gets them after he he trades a telescope for the magic beans. The beans. Genius. They're not beans. They're legumes. Genius. <laughs> well, I I don't know why I didn't remember that being such a memorable episode, but – Michael Clearly. and Holly tried to sell their neon sign. Yeah. Yeah. Coming in at number four was Goodbye, Michael. And in this specific ranking, this received a 9.65 out of 10 in terms of emotional weight and a 9.03 in terms of importance to the office universe, which both of those I think are very fair if you are considering all four categories to be 25% of the score. However, like we said earlier, yeah, I think, I think they should both like the be should represent. We don't feel like that those should represent as much as they do for this episode. I think it's definitely top five, uh, mostly because of the importance to the office universe, because after this episode, when he leaves, the show goes downhill. 
It, yeah. Big time. Big right? Time. Like Michael Although, leaving. It goes it, like, there's there's a there's a long from season seven to the beginning of nine, there's a lull in the show. And anybody who doesn't think so is lying. People hate on Will Farrell and don't get me wrong, Michael Scott, Steve Carell, all of his episodes are better than any of Will Farrell's episodes. That's a given. However, people I feel like hate on Will Farrell's character too much and the job that he did. Because I thought it was really funny. I the thought Dundies. the episodes that he was the Dundies. I thought that those were good. So um, but speaking of the Dundies, those are in the top five, but they're not number three. So number three is the fun run race to cure rabies. And that's actually one of my favorites of, of all of the episodes. So I am not mad about this one being in the top five because I actually had a fantasy football team in 2018 and my team name was the Meredith Palmer fun run race to cure rabies. And I loved it. And I actually, I think I won the league that year. So let me just, let me just read the name just because it's so hard to memorize, but it's so much fun to listen to it. Michael Scott's Dunder Mifflin Scranton Meredith Palmer Memorial Celebrity Rabies Awareness Fun Run Pro-Am Race for the Cure. It gets better. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It gets better every time you hear it. Every time. And there's like, they did the, um, they did the voicemail, like the answering machine. (laughs) Yes. And, and, and Michael Scott's like, together we will find a cure or something. Yes. Yes. The best, well, I don't know. The best part of that episode to me is when he's eating the chicken, the fettuccine. fettuccine, Yes. And he's carving up. Yeah. And then he's like sitting on the sidewalk. That is the last thing. And I know that's the joke, but good grief, man. That is the last thing I would want to eat. And that, but you know, so you know where I'd be is with, uh, you know, is with Stanley and Oscar. Stanley and Oscar hopping in the car taking the shortcut and going and having themselves some fun and then showing up at the end. I actually bought because of that episode, I bought because of that episode being my fantasy football team name. I actually went and bought some socks with a raccoon on them. And around the raccoon, it says uh, the name of the fun run race for the cure. All of that. The, Love that. the full, I believe it's the full name. So, uh, great episode. That one is that one deserves to be number three, I believe. Number two, the Dundies. The Dundies. The Dundies. Laughs nine point two three out of ten, which I feel is fair. Importance to the Office Universe nine point four out of ten. Memorability and quotability nine point one one out of ten, and emotional weight. 9.41 out of 10. I believe the emotional weight part comes from the interaction between Pam and Roy. Is that? Where I, we're yeah, I, I would imagine so. 
Okay. I would imagine and so. Then, and then everybody's heartstrings being pulled with Pam and Jim like sitting at the same table together and yep. enjoying the margaritas and such. The second, what do they call it? What does she call it? Second drink? Yeah. When the ice melts. Yes. That was I, a great episode. And Do you have a favorite Dundee? Because I have a favorite Dundee. I think it's probably Busiest Beaver with... <laughs> Phyllis, because of the fact that the trophy company misspelled it and she looks at him and she says, this says bushiest beaver. And he's like, he just like blows her off and is like, we'll figure it out. Like, like go sit down. (laughs) I think that's my favorite one. My favorite has to be the don't go in there after me award. (laughs) For Kevin. For Kevin. Kevin. (laughs) Gotta be. It's gotta be. Those are so good. Those are so good. And the the Pam's whitest shoes. The whitest sneakers. And does she get longest engagement? Like what's I think that might I don't know. I think that might have been an, another Dundee's. Is that that might be the one with with um D'Angelo Vickers. D'Angelo. D'Angelo <laughs> Jeremetrius Vickers. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> All right, what's number their one? Interactions, their interactions together are so undefeated. good. Coming Give in at number, number one. one is Casino Night. Blasphemy. I have a bone to pick with this author, and I believe you do too. We have Blasphemy. talked for years about <clears throat> the top episode in The Office, and it is not Casino Night. Not Casino Night. I don't even know if Casino Night would be in my top 20. On the count of three, we are going to say the best episode in The Office history. I'm going to count down from three, and after a a count after one, we're going to say it. Three, two, one, dinner party. Dinner party. Oh, yes. (laughs) We have have talked for years. There's only one option. And we don't agree on much, Reed and I. Specifically, the Red Sox and the Yankees. We don't agree on much, but this is one thing that we feel like we agree on most. And it's the, the fact that Casino Night is not the top episode. And the fact that Dinner Party isn't in the top five <laughs> is comical. Comical. I, I go into hysterical laughter when I watch the outtakes of that episode. And I see when Michael is when Michael pushes his air quotes flat screen against his the wall and Jim, cra- Jim just dies laughing. It gets me every single time. Every because single you, time. You are also Jim. Like everyone is feeling what Jim is feeling in that moment. Yes. It is. Um, it's just is utterly ranked, hilarious. And then Jan with handles, Michael trying to woo the guys into becoming investors and into serenity by Jan. I mean, the whole thing is just the light, the neon light above the dinner table. I mean, it is just Dwight bringing his, his uh, babysitter over is it's just, it's incredible. And then obviously where, where part of our short snaps intro comes from is the uh, snip, snap, snip, snap. I mean, that's just class all time classic in the article. It scores as number 10, as a 10 out of 10 for laughs. So that should tell you everything you yeah, need. Yeah, gotta be. 
and 9.88 for memorability and quotability. I don't know how that's, that that's, doesn't well, put it even in the top five. Yeah, that's crazy. comical. Comical. So we'll, we'll go back to number one and discuss um, the number one episode, which was Casino Night. And Laughs, 9.25. Importance to the Office Universe, 9.1. Memorability and Quotability, 9.3. And Emotional Weight, 9.6, which I believe stems from the fact that Jan and um, the real estate agent, whose name is... Um, Carol, Carol, it was who they're yeah, married to. Who's ma- they're married in real life, I believe. Correct, but I believe that's where the emotional weight comes from in that episode, and the fact that is is there a is there a Roy Roy and Pam interaction there? Uh, I, uh yes. Oh, it's it's the fact that that Jim and Jim and uh, Pam kiss Pam, at the they, end of the episode they kiss that night. Yes, yep. duh. Because Roy get, Roy goes home and leaves Pam. So again, if we're discussing this in terms of importance to the storyline, then sure, we'll give it number one. But I think in terms of hilariousness, dinner party shouldn't not be in the top five. Top five for sure. It has to be in the top five somewhere. But I, okay, so do you what do you have an episode that you think that they left out of the top? Of the I mean, top of the top five, five not dinner party. Because I have, mm. I have a good one that is close to top five for me. Okay, what is it? The surplus episode. Ooh, that's a good one with the that, with the chairs and yep, the between the, the chairs copier. and the printer or the copier. Yep, the new office yeah. copier. And this, I mean, it's 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 forty. It's ranked forty fifth, so it's you know it's up there. But my favorite quote from the episode, Michael Scott, it just rings so good. He says, I hate disappointing just one person. And I really hate disappointing everyone. But I love Burlington Coat Factory. You go in there with $645, you are literally a king. It's classic. It's classic. It is an all-time classic. His monologues at his desk. And then, and then, obviously, at the end when he's got the blood on the, you know, on the on the fur coat is just is is hilarious. But the the fact that that he lingers on the whole episode and between try, people trying to woo him at, at lunch and whatever, one way or the other, is just. And then he ends up finding, you know, oh well, you can get the bonus if you just keep the surplus. So good. So that's definitely think, one that I think that was was it's ranked forty fifth, but I think it should definitely be top twenty. I think if I had to to put one higher than it is, it would be the office chair lady because that's an early one. It is, and it's one of my favorites because the interaction with Pam's landlord in the coffee shop <laughs> is. Again, it's so cringy, but it is so cringy. It's hilarious because his first instinct is is just uh, she says Michael, <laughs> and he's <laughs> and he, he audibly like makes this this groaning noise, and it is so funny. I really, honestly, I feel bad for our listeners who have not watched The Office because they're like not getting any of this, and they probably have skipped through all of it. 
it's so good. And I think that it should be ranked higher than it is. I've scrolled through the top 25 and it's not in the top 25. It's 144. That's comical. Out of 185? 185. Do you think that's at, that that's accurate? It got a it got a 7.11 on laugh. Yeah, I don't know. 6.4 on importance. 6.99. Nice. On memorability and quotability. It holds zero importance to the to the storyline, but it's hilarious. Creed the, it says the best quote is Creed uh says when Pam gets Michael's old chair, I get Pam's old chair. Then I'll have two chairs, only one to go. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Creed. We could spend an entire episode of this podcast talking about Creed Bratton. And, and his mung beans. And his mung beans. They smell like death, but That's what right. does he say? That, but they're good for the gut or something? I don't know. Anyway, let's drink some beer, shall we? All right, so on this week's uh, beer review, you want to do a pop? I would love I've to got do a pop. I've got a bottle that I've already cracked, so the pop's up to you. Three, two, one. Beautiful. Beautiful. This week on our beer review, I've got uh, an, a nice option from Lake Placid Craft Brewing Company out of Lake Placid, New York, uh, courtesy of my man, uh, Corey Bajorquez. Uh, my uh, many of you know he was my punter uh, for the past couple years here in Buffalo. He uh, for Christmas last year he got me a beer subscription uh, for every basically every other month the whole year of 2021. So I've gotten two deliveries so far, but I get a 12 pack every other month to try from. And basically each shipment is a variety pack. There's four different options. Uh, of beers that they uh, that they send to me from different craft beers all o- craft breweries all over the country, uh, and this one uh, is the Big Slide IPA from Lake Placid. Um, it's uh, it's got 7.0 ABV, uh, which is uh, pretty high. Drinking the strong stuff tonight. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it a taste here. That's pretty good. Very very hoppy, uh, delicious, but I do like it. I'll probably finish off the other two of these um, when I get a chance. But one thing we're going to start giving here uh, on on episode four, we're going to start this, is a Snapocity score for the beers that we review. So we encourage our listeners, if you are from uh, anywhere outside of Buffalo or Miami, uh, we would love to uh, try some local brews from wherever you are. So feel free to reach out to us um, so we can get that hooked up and shout you out on the podcast. But uh, my Snapocity score for this beer, uh, Lake Placid Big Slide IPA, I'm going to go with um, like a 7.2. 7.2. It's 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 a little it's a little on the hoppier side. I think from from an IPA standpoint, I do like it, and it does go down smooth like a big slide. Um, but just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy, pretty smooth, pretty smooth drink. So 7.2 for me. I'm working with saltwater brewery and this one is called screaming reels IPA. And I don't know that you could find a beer in Florida that is more Florida sounding than screaming reels IPA from saltwater brewing. Let's but- see the logo. It's got a big old fish on it. 
yeah. and a big old hook with it's the fish is being caught. So <laughs> this is a this is an IPA, like I said, seven percent, and it says tropical, bitter, and hoppy. So let's give it a taste and a snapocity score. Ooh, that's refreshing. They're out of Delray Beach, which is right here in town. So I would give that probably a 7.5. Though it is though it is a high percentage like yours, I don't feel like the hoppiness is overpowering. So it's very smooth and crisp. And I could I could drink this while I'm screaming some reels and ripping some lips, baby. While we drink our brews, we are going to jump into a couple of mailbag questions to finish off our episode for today. So thank you for everyone who has continued to reach out, asking us questions, providing us things to talk about that you all want to hear. So Danny Marquino asks, talk about the long snapper fraternity across the league, who you train with, who your better friends are in terms of the snappers and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in terms of a fraternity, I think that's pretty much, you know, spot on as to as to what the snappers are across the league. You know, we, we all do a good job of looking out for each other and, and communicating. You know, a lot of guys have – a lot of guys are friends with each other, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And, and uh, a lot of guys, you know, since I've been in the league um, – I'd consider you my friend. Yeah, definitely. I mean – Probably, you know, friend, friend is a good, good description. Um, but you know, that, that, you know, over the past five years, it's been pretty cool to, to kind of develop and build some relationships with a couple guys, uh, you know, especially the ones that we see more often, uh, you know, I, you know, the, you know, Thomas and with the jets, Joe with new England, uh, and then obviously you and Miami is pretty, you know, obviously cool in its own way. Uh, but there's a couple guys like John down in Houston that that I've really enjoyed getting to know a little bit. A couple times we played him. It's just pretty cool to me just to to kind of keep up with guys over social media, and it's not just another player, but it's a guy that that shares you know the position uh, with you, and 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 you know that they share a lot of the same you know football values and and uh, you know. This that you know basically the same skill set, you know, for for lack of a better explanation. But uh, it's it's that's basically what what the fraternity is. You know, it's 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 thirty two of us who are just kind of thirty two oddballs, really, and we just we found a niche, something that we're that more. you know something that we're really good at that is just kind of weird. It's 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 been pretty cool to pretty cool to be a part of uh, over the past you know five years going into going into six years now. So uh, I'm I'm excited for you to continue developing some of those relationships with the guys because I know it's you know it's one of the mo- one of the things I look forward to most is talking to talking to the specialists before every game because you know a lot you know a lot of those guys you might see them once a year once every couple years. Uh, so it's pretty cool just to to see him when you get a chance to. Yeah, and I will say that from the young guy perspective, being that this past season was my first year, meeting a lot of new 
snappers and people that I've never met before, pretty much all of them were very welcoming to me and just very excited for me and, and congratulating me on getting to that point in my career. So I am super excited to continue to meet new long snappers on a, on a yearly basis. And now that I'm a second year guy having Cameron Cheeseman and Thomas Fletcher in the league, guys that I've known in college, and now they're sort of the new guys across the league. That'll be kind of fun to have guys that I've known that were younger than me sort of making their way in. So, uh, yeah, the the fraternity is very tight-knit because there's obviously just 32 of us versus, you know, five of every position, five at, you know, one position uh, on every team that, you know, that, that number gets really big when you think about receivers and running backs and other players. But for long snappers, there's, there's one of us on each team. And so the, the group is very small. Definitely agree there. Um, it'll be pretty cool to, like, like you said, to kind of help the young guys along whenever you get to play them. But um, so second question out of the mailbag, Scott Fisher asks, who was the player you fangirled over most coming into the league? I'll do start you, this one. You have a good answer for that. I'll start this one because there's this is a dual part answer, and the first one was not what I was expecting it to be, but just something that happened, and it was game one. We're in Foxborough, and. We're warming up. It's super weird. There's no fans. And it literally is like, it feels like we're warming up for like a practice. And here comes Cam Newton running down the sideline. Big 6'6", just huge shoulders wearing a hoodie that's like really small on his body. And I was like, that was sort of my welcome to the NFL moment. Even though I had already made it through training camp and, you know, I'd met a lot of, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who everybody across the league knows, and just some of these big names that, you know, I already knew, but actually being on the field with other with another team and Cam Newton, who I had watched for a lot of my, you know, childhood and like middle school and high school years. So that was that was one that I wasn't really expecting because I didn't think, you know, I, I didn't necessarily like fangirl over him, but I was like, whoa, like that's like here I am like I'm this is the biggest stage in football and so uh that's part one to that answer and then part two was is probably the actual answer to that question and it was when Russell Wilson was warming up before our game it was at home and we were in our end zone doing our normal warm-up just the specialists and he was down on our end throwing in like towards the end zone. So I was down there stretching and I like found myself to like, I caught myself like staring at him and I felt like really uncomfortable when I would like accidentally make eye contact with him because it's one of those things. It's like a, it's like a train wreck. Like you can't, they say it's like a train wreck. You know, you, you can't look away like as much as you want to, you just like keep. And so I, I, that was kind of like, wow, oh, that's Russell Wilson. So that's probably the one that I uh, quote-unquote fangirled. But he was super nice after the game. I met him and 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't. You know, fangirl is obviously the word that people use, but I don't know if I if fangirl. I think it was probably just the guy that I was most excited to meet um, at this level. Uh, and I think um, you know, I, I didn't meet him, or I guess not meet, but see, you know, watch, you know, from a player perspective on the same level playing field. Uh, I think it was pretty cool. You know, grow, you know, we grew up in Atlanta. And my first year playing in 17, we played in Atlanta. I think it was like the third or fourth game of the season. We went down there to Atlanta. You were there, and we got to play. And I think just seeing, like, you know, we watched them for so long. You know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones kind of stick out to me uh, as as two guys just watching them on that field in the new stadium, you know, just see, seeing it, you know, who – Seeing how big Julio is in person, I think like you like you were with Cam, it's kind of like, okay, well, here we are, right? Like that dude's a receiver, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that was probably um, yeah seeing seeing Matt and Julio uh, was was probably uh, my, my quote unquote fangirl moment, uh, but really just, just a cool opportunity to see guys that you've watched for so long at the highest level. And now you're playing, playing against them. All right. So that wraps up the mailbag. Thank you again to everybody who uh, has been sending in questions uh, and topics of interest uh, for us to cover. You know, we, we're just starting out obviously. So we want to cover as much as possible of what our listeners are interested in. So Thank you to all those who continue to do that for us. Uh, we have one five-star review that I'd like to read. That is our most recent. We got uh, it. Looks like it was written on uh, this past Thursday, and it's titled "All I Want to Do Is Drink a Beer with the Ferguson Bros." Hey, Caitlin, Caitlin L writes, uh, "Lifelong Fins fan, but before Blake was even drafted, I loved Reed. I met him at an event." at a local company near Rochester, Marshall Exterior. Shout out to my buddy, Adam Olszewski. And he was there for a promotional event. I, knew, I remember this. I was, a, I was a couple years ago. I knew he was there and he was a Buffalo Bill, so naturally I had to wear my Dolphins hat. I do remember this. Love that. He was really cool to talk to. Blake was the addition to the Fins I didn't know they needed. He fits perfectly with the new culture. And I love everything both brothers stand for. I've loved hearing the behind-the-scenes stories about their football lives. Can't wait to hear more podcasts. They've been super fun to listen to so far, and I know they will keep killing it. Thank you, Caitlin L. I appreciate, or we appreciate the, the five-star review. Uh, make sure for anybody else that wants their review re- uh, read on air that you go uh, like and subscribe and rate our podcast and write a nice review, and you will get uh, read on air. So we always like to hear from Uh, from our listeners and we thoroughly enjoy it so that wraps up episode four of after the snap you can find us on social media instagram twitter at after the snap pod thank you guys so much for listening this has been after the snap tales from two brothers who live life upside down